Hey, greetings, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to Macro to Micro Power Hour. I'm your host, Samantha LaDuke, founder of LaDukeTrading.com and LaDuke Capital LLC. Very glad that uh, you can join us today. We're going to be talking about lawyering the trade. So what do I mean by that? Well, every trade, there's a bull and a bear thesis, and it's very much an auction of the buyers and sellers. So we need to do a, a good, let's say, accounting of the uh, both sides, the bull and bear thesis. And right now, the bulls are absolutely running and charging, in fact. In fact, it is so easy to trade right now across multiple sectors that my gut tells me it's time for a turn, but I don't have a whole bunch of charts to support an actual turn. This could be a really, really short show. <laughs> All right, we got um, Jonathan here. Let me promote him to panelist. I have um, very, very lucky to be joined by Jonathan Gibbons, founder of uh, VigTech IO. And he has got a really good take of uh, not only the macro, but the market structure. And right now we're going to be digging in a little bit to some of the reasons why we're cautious. But being cautious is very different from, you know, trading um, lots of bear thesis. We still need to see it proven. So today I hope it'll be fun to kind of bring out our best uh, bull and bear charts or at least arguments and uh, see if we can support them, get, get some good ideas. Also from participants, give us your best arguments for and against a continuation of this market melt-up. And I pretty much um, call it that because it feels that uh, there is very little right now that is um, languishing. So, Jonathan, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, perfect. Happy Tuesday. How's it going? I'm good. Let's do the stop share for a minute. And I am, I'm good. I'm a little, you know, just wondering what we're going to talk about today because we need to have both arguments, bull and bear. And there's just, there's just not a lot of, uh, you know, growling going on. <laughs> it's like, uh, you, you probably, we use the term lawyer and uh, we probably scared everyone away, right? With, oh, uh... no, no, that's <laughs> exactly. We're, we're not pitching, you know, um, anything about lawyers it's just yeah. this argument for arguments sake um we have to be able to at least i do i look at every situation and say okay what's the what what's the um the best defense offense and and where where is this going to land so we have had nothing right now but a strong continuation um really across uh, multiple sectors whether it's the reflation trade to right now the penny stocks the SPACs are still bid up because of the low interest rate environment. Big tech is not losing ground. It's, it's obviously not really screaming higher, but that's okay. It's still safety. Um, everything that is, um, you know, inflection point has been running like the EV space, the pot stocks, prohibition is over kind of thing, anticipation. Um, the, the staples utilities not doing anything, but nothing is really falling apart other than volatility. But it has mm -hmm. also stayed bid. So it's kind of curious mm -hmm. um, that we don't have this um, completely full on belief that VIX is going to fall down to the 17 level. It's still staying pretty bid. VVIX is above 100. Um, what's your what's your take right now on the markets before we dig into some some charts and compare? 
Yeah. Um, at the moment, right? Like it's, uh, it seems to be a self-fulfilling prophecy of, uh, of a Nirvana cycle. I know that, um, I was looking at some stuff, like a bunch of different work was put out last week from different folks, uh, really good stuff. Uh, Travis, uh, you know, he put together something last night. I think people probably may have caught, may didn't catch, but he kind of do some fractal research as it relates to exponential growth and then, and then falling apart of chaos. So it, and then Lily had done a bunch of work, uh, and posted it last week with the options to generate, uh, theory, like where things are kind of rolling together. Um, yeah, this is, this is, this is fantastic. I suggest everybody take a look at this. And it's interesting. I video. It, it, I bring this up because um, I read it as well. Luckily, a client um, clued me into it. And I know Travis, so, you know, that's it. it yeah. just, I didn't see it real time. So he said, what do you think about this? And it wasn't just the video, you know, chaos and um, Mandelbrot set, but it was more the chart that he came up with at the end. Okay, can you see that? Yeah, yeah. All right, so that's a nice thesis. Of course, it needs confirmation. But what I did was I, I responded to that a little bit, um, not cheekily, but I wanted to get your thoughts about that. Everybody is typically looking at this type of smile in the volatility complex, looking at the tails, right? Mm-hmm. Calls and puts. And right now, I looked at that and, I, and I've been seeing this, obviously. We talk about this every week. Um, single stock gamma option flow has been robust and now options are quite expensive and those who are maybe underfunded or, or um, seeking for protection, the tail risk, if you will, of puts has actually priced up puts as well. So I actually, I kind of, I wrote, um, this is really cute. This is a really geeky video, scary chart, but I see a pattern that isn't so much you know, the tail wagging the dog, which we've talked about um, so much as a story is how the story changes the teller. In other words, this is right now, in my opinion, starting to do this, where when I look at the option flow of what has greatest risk reward, not just at the money, but in the money, deep in the money has the much, much better chance of it. It's almost like the smile is being put upside down and your thoughts on that? I'm talking about across this whole skew, this whole market. Yeah. Passive, like the passive conversation. So he was, you know, really touching on equity and Ron and doom, right? So if you dig into that and you go, okay, what's, what's fueling that? You got passive still getting the flows, you know, just steady by their buy side. They're not selling right now. They're you know, not going to sell into this. And then you've got about, and I'm going to show the Momo stock list that I just follow every day now. It's like, one of them's down 10% to 20% on one end, and the other end is up 30% every day. It's the, it's the wildest thing I've ever seen. Yep. And then you've got the, of that, you've got about, let's say 400 to 300 to 400 stocks that are trading options every day that are predominantly never changing. So like stuff comes in and out based on earnings, but the same set, and I don't know if anybody's looked at this. It'd be definitely worth going to dig into. Some of the stocks that are on my Momo list are at the top of this list every day. Every day. Every single day. People are buying calls for these stocks or they're liquidating these stocks. And that is like the active part and it's chaotic volatility. So you've got what you said is, I think, spot on to, to an extent that, you know, who's wagging whom? Well, there's passive that's just kind of providing some sort of current. And then volatility of these single name stocks that's being traded is where all of the, 
the 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 kind of movement or trading is taking place, right? Where people are seeing you know outsized moves, and that's like uh, um, the Lily used the term hysteresis and one of her things, and that's the phenomenon of a physical property lags behind the changes in the effect causing it. So basically what the delta of the call buying on these things just drags these names up. And we're kind of in this drift of just upside situation that will continue until something changes to the underlying passive holding back. So I I think that you're exactly right, that it's flipped. And so you can't, it's hard to look at that thing and say, yeah, that's exactly what should shake out when in reality it's being drugged by the derivatives of past you know trading past the actual underlying securities and i've actually spoken to exchanges in reference to just you know data stuff the last couple of days and they're a hundred percent focused on derivative stuff and and um more more information and data being uh made available for those for those features and functions so you know i think that the vol bid is there i think that uh it's it's steady because everybody's like you know is this uh is something going to change? But unless something changes in that dynamic of all the those those five, let's say let's say three hundred to four hundred single name stocks that are traded like every single day, and then you you filter in like a Citigroup that comes in and comes out, or you know a JPM that comes in and comes out. But it's it's all of the ones that we'll look at in a second. And when you look at those charts, there's nothing but up you know inbound flows on those things. So do we, you know, and I'm not, and we're going to like lawyer a trade. So like, I'm like trying to look at this multiple ways here. I'm having a hard time seeing like um, where this would like turn from that perspective. Right. So what it is that would, that would turn. And that, that is like, when you're talking about major uh, kind of stalwarts, which I said, we were losing legs right in this thing the other day. And we are, we totally are, but this passive thing, is, is huge. So you have two totally different aspects, passive through the ETFs and the, and, the, and the indexation vehicles. And then you got the active stocks that are trading massive amounts of options. And those options are overwhelming the securities. And you just got that kind of everything's lifting itself up impact. Now, you know, it can't go on into perpetuity. It's just it's, it's, it's something that's not possible. But you can't fight it either. I think Cuppy has the best best uh, statement for it. He calls it Project Zimbabwe. Right? I didn't hear and, that. I mean, I know yeah, Cuppy, but what do you mean? Yeah. And so it's like you can't, you know, what's been enacted by all this is, is very inflationary. And so when you try to short an, a very inflationary, and I'm not going to say hyperinflationary environment because we don't see that, you know, in everything in our life. But it is getting pretty inflationary where it's not tied to simply anything except this kind of very extended math complex that we've got going on here where we're self, we're literally trading more of the one side of that curve, right, for options that's dragging up. And you can look when you look at these charts, it's like, well, oh, we're going to well, we're going to look at the inflation expectations because that's driving a lot of what's going on as well, because real rates really aren't moving up anywhere near as quickly as the expectations. If that's in reference to the Zimbabwe, you know, kind of thing as yeah, well, yeah, hyperinflation. Yeah. But um, I liked actually Lily had a great uh, um, tweet that <laughs> if there is no natural buying at these prices, what happens when the gamma music stops? Now, we don't know. But for me, in my live trading room, I am looking at 
you know, sector rotation and my indicators have not, of course, triggered short on intraday or swing time frame. So there's nothing there as far as breadth. It stayed pretty healthy. Um, can you hear me? I had a little freeze here. Ooh, or maybe you did. Hello, hello. Oh, there you are. There's a little freeze. But when trading is this easy, that's when I, you know, gut wise feel like the, a turn is coming. Oh, you just disappeared. You'll be back. Yeah, I'm back. Okay. So um, what I'm noticing in my live trading room, though, is that there are so many penny stocks. They might have done some massive, uh, you know, split um, over the, the past few years. But if you were to, you know, back out of that, you would have a ton of basically penny stocks, low flow, low priced plays that are not only just popping up, because that's pretty typical. They pop up and then go right back down. They're getting sustained bids. So the the the, the low priced um, biotech plays, um, you know, I mean, I could go on and on. There is just an, an enormous number of very large moves in these left for dead, oversold. It could be value, cyclicals, commodities, biotech. It doesn't matter what it is. Every day there is a new... Um, energy and i it's funny because it's not just retail traders it's institutional traders positioning before they move um i mean large positioning before these puppies move so it's it, they're catching on they know how to how to get some really big rewards from this uh rotation but i still think it, it's also the backdrop of you know this this low uh, real yield environment where we have a huge change in inflation expectations. And I can show you that chart um, since last summer and the Biden bid uh, and this continuation with oil, you know, mm -hmm. coming up and PMI, you know, manufacturing prices, there's more pressure, et cetera, et cetera, and a lot of policies, but it, it, it's, it has had no effect on real yields. So that's a perfect environment for the Bitcoin and uh, these alternative um, SPACs, you know, the special purpose asset corporations that are popping up like daisies 400 you know came to market just last year so you know this this inflation protection is not um they they it's as if the market is really expecting to fed the fed to run hot in inflation but real yields still are uh, not buying it so your I want to show you some charts on that, but is this part of any of your concern when you look at the market bull or bear? I, did you did you see the um the chart of the two and tens and the steepening, right? Um, oh yeah. Just recently, and it has not given at all. It has not given any back. It's gone. It's, it continued to go go vertical. I, I looked at that yesterday, and I was um, kind of sitting there and digesting it to an extent because that's got the kind of the ugly, the ugly setup on it, right? Like where we've seen it to be historically uh, pertinent, right? With a, with a steepener and it's, it hasn't played out yet. So I, I you know, I, I don't, it's hard to say. I think that, I think that, I think that when you print what they've printed and then you've got the kind of other impact of, the, the options market maybe being even more impactful than what was printed. Um, a ton of participants in there. You've got a massive mania. And manias can run so much hotter for so much longer, but then die. And so I, 
you know, it's very, very kind of difficult to say at the moment, like what would exactly, you know, and I know there's some good thesis of like a, a kind of environmental shift that would change the, that would kind of terminate the mania. But at the moment, unless there's some sort of dynamic change in the options market um, and the way that that's playing out, I, I think it's going to continue to run a little bit hotter. And that was me coming to the table with my kind of bull hat versus yep. bear, bear hat is that is just so much, um, so much perception of liquidity at the moment because liquidity is a perception. Right. Um, so that's I brought up these charts for that kind of reason. So first, I have posted this before here and for clients and even on Twitter because I had a, a yield pop thesis that absolutely proved spot on and it has continued. And this is the two and ten. It's a little yep. messy, but you, you get the idea. Yeah. So here we are. We're coming up to that next level, which is the one point two. And this is just a gorgeous, you know, scoop pattern. We we triggered just a itty bitty little bit negative, you know, for a brief nanosecond. But this is just a stunning technical, you know, analysis, if you will, of, of yeah. resistance. It's on its way higher. But having said that, and that's part of the reflation trade, that's part of, you know, we, we got it going on with the, with the expectation of economic growth, right? And the vaccine rainbow and fiscal stimulus and, and, and. But I, I, I found, I grabbed this chart and then I kind of overlaid my impressions of this because I have been a yield bull, right? I'm like, this yield curve going higher is something that I've preached. <laughs> I still see it going higher. But the interesting thing is break-even inflation is near post-crisis highs with, with equities, right? This is the white line, just screaming higher with equities, while real rates are still negative 1.2 and close to the lowest level post-2003. And the 10-year, uh, actually, you can't see that, the, the the real rate and the 10 years right here just kind of grinding out very slowly um but not really buying in the inflation thesis so this is a fractal obviously i'm really curious uh inflation expectations come down real yields um move higher but this is what is making the environment perfect for a bitcoin and spacs and all of and stocks so it's really kind of a, the expectation that we're going to have higher inflation with economic growth um, I am, you know, I'm still expecting a swoon, but we have not seen any indications of it. And one of the biggest, 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 strongest, you know, monthly charts that I showed clients way back when was when IWM relative to SPX, you can see this formed a perfect W. This is part of my intermarket analysis. And it just fired above a trend line and above a key moving average. And it did not slow down, which this normally would serve as some kind of concrete and then pull back and then move higher. It went right straight up. So this is again, IWM to SPX on a monthly. This is how much movement we have had. I think now we start to digest and go inside the channel again. So uh, it's been an impressive move. I don't say that this is bearish. I just say that it's now time for a pause. <laughs> um, and the other thing, you know, Relatively speaking, this is SPX relative to CRB. CRB is commodities. It's largely oil, but you can see since 1990, I mean, we had some inflection points where stocks, you know, clearly 2013, we just took off and they have just been extremely strong relative to commodities. This, I would say, is our negative oil print. 
right? Um, again, this is intermarket. It's a relational study, strength and weakness. But this is immensely strong visual of how strong stocks have been to commodities, right? Since then, oil has literally uh, moved 100 points. I mean, this was negative 40. Brent hit 60. Um, West Texas hit 58. But basically, that to me looks like distribution of, you know, this thesis of now cyclicals, commodities over stocks. And we've seen just big tech kind of go sideways for many, many months. Um, but this is not necessarily bearish. It just to me says the value rotation isn't done yet. I know that is shocking, but I'm still waiting for this, um, this selling, if you will. I don't see any signals yet. But where where the the big tech is actually going to succumb to the value trade, and we've also talked about this for a while. This is my chart that I've been showing since September fourth. Okay, this is just again my my last intermarket analysis I'll show from this particular theme. But this was actually September fourth when big tech, you know, had this kind of like pullback very strongly, and it continues. But this is a mountain. This is not even done. So what we've what we've experienced so far in the value value cyclical commodity, you know, left for dead, short squeeze, all of that is is made up of this. So as this comes down, it means that the stuff that's that was on the ground is popping up. Does that make sense? So uh, kind of, yeah, hundred percent. Okay, so this is kind of an inverse. So and, and this was when it turned, and they've been really, for me anyway, it, this has been a great tell. For me to say, okay, clients, this is still in play. This hasn't based. It hasn't turned. It's still hot. So keep playing it until the music stops. Um, but I don't have necessarily any, any, any signs. And that's what's so scary. It's getting way exuberant. Like I look at, you know, small caps, the same idea, right? With everything that I've just shown here, that's IWM. But this happens to be, you know, SML, the same exact look for XRT, right? This is not sustainable. And, you know, these are gaps. At some point, they will be filled. But in the meantime, this was such an outlier. In other words, relative to 2008 lows for small caps, it just happens to be the 600 because it's a kind of an institutional product. And I think it's a little bit cleaner than IWM, which is 2000 um, yeah. issues, 1900. But you know what I mean? I like this one better, but I I'm just still going all right i can't believe it's not done but it is absolutely pushing the the envelope and everything is quote unquote uh not bullish but beyond bullish i mean the the momentum and value together in these sectors especially small caps and some of them are still playing catch up like the energy and the, and the small cap energy and small cap financials as long as that rate you know, real rates remain low and the yield curve is is bare steepening up to that 1.2. And until it gets to 1.2 and it starts to actually, you know, maybe pull back, this this thing is still a train with very yeah, go, go back miles to the, before yeah, go it back break. To, go back to that other chart. This one. The one you were just on. Yeah. So if you look, look at that move, like that, that move from 575 to 1300. I, and, and what is that? Seven, eight months? Something and this like was that. the Trump, you know, this was the Trump bump, you know, not exactly, but right here. Trump, mm -hmm. you know, this, this, the, 
the whole COVID collapse, um, and now trade war is over. Yeah, look look at this, like, talking market structure, okay? Mm-hmm. And you're talking about the auction, yes. right? It goes on at these these exchanges on a day-in and day-out basis. Just look at since 09 all the way to 18 there, right? Yep. You've got, like, the, the, the back and forth. 09, you move up into 10. You got a little backing and filling. You know, there's some demand into 11, middle 11, and then into 12. And you start to see into 13, a pretty one-sided auction start to show up. And you get into 15, 16, right? You still see back and forth auction. It starts to get really dumb there in, in late 17. So yeah. when you look at, like, the auction since 17, it doesn't look normal, right? And so look at everything, even nine before nine, seven, eight, it's normalized auction. I've seen a couple of charts like uh, showing, not charts like to say, but screenshots of the, the ladder with the volume of options contracts, right? And then a ladder with a volume of futures contracts from the mid 10 to 10s, right? And then 2010s and then now. And what you see now is this thin, like super thin, like limited auction, and it's all one-sided. So like if you go back to that that uh, view you just had a second ago, that one right there, look at the auction from March, right, up through 2021 where we are. That's not an auction. No, There's something else going on, right? And you see no, you see those gaps. Those are the overnight uh, auction gaps that fill, like that, that never fill. They absolutely are still sitting out there on the exchange for sale right now. And you see that nothing is even, everything is on the bid side. Well, that to me, like the bear side of this is that this is a mania. There's zero doubt about that because you look at the auction. Then the flip side of that is what's fueling the mania can eat the mania. And so the options, actually, I say auction, options, so can't get all my words straight. If the options flip, which is what we've been describing for some time, then you don't really need a catalyst at that point because there was no catalyst sands the options and the liquidity to take it to where it's taking it. So that's my bear side is that there's really nothing that stops this from literally turning over and just killing itself in a natural vortex. When you look at the auction from 600, so if you, if you look at that price, go back to the, go back to the, uh, the last thing I'll say about this chart, because it's just a really good view. If you go back, that was a fair value at 600 bucks because it hit it one, two, three, four, five times. Then it came back down for the sixth time, right? Which was in early 2020 and it took off, but it was still chopping back and forth. It was really that breakout that you have pointed right there in your yellow um, yep, cursor. Here. That That's where the auction just totally vanished. And so now we're looking at a basically total mania pretty much across the board which is literally as dangerous a situation as you can fathom because there's literally no auction. It's a one-sided thing that's being infect, like basically drug up via that options impact because all these stocks, right, are holding a market. And this is that passive situation where as the market share rises for these single stocks, they get re-indexed. As they get re-indexed as a larger, larger market share of these ETFs and the passive vehicles, they get purchased more of. It's literally consuming itself higher, right? Like by nature of the two kind of functional mechanisms that exist right now, I don't have a spot where those die, right? 
Um, that, but that, but this is a total mania. This is absolutely, with a shadow of a doubt, a mania, which means the readings can be just cooked. Um, manias happen for all kinds of different reasons, but the readings can get cooked for a little bit of time, as your point was earlier. And I just wanted to point out the, the market structure that this isn't an option. This is a one-sided freight train that, uh, you know, it's hard to... To yeah, look at those cross current things. And it's going to need a few miles uh, to break. And I don't know if it's going to start breaking, but it's funny because a while back before COVID, I had actually, it was December, and I had posted this on Twitter. This is really big monthly, um, you know, this is GAP, SPX earnings. Anyway, every time it has crossed over, it has basically been a fabulous, you know, big short, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. And it has worked extremely well. This was very bullish. And I'm talking about trend trading. I mean, yeah. why not yeah. trading, not chasing? Trend. I remember this. Yeah, it's a great call. And so it came all the way back down. And this was before COVID. This happened to be December 31st. I posted this because we, we don't get the data very often. Um, it's, it's quarterly, right? So it's every EPS. I'm still like looking at this going, okay, this is what it looks like here. This is what it looks like here. And even uh, Charlie... Um, uh, Bilio said with 73% of companies right now who have reported in Q4, S&P gap earnings are down 18% over the prior year, right? So this is obviously a, a, a much closer look of what's going on. This is not normal for the market to be screaming um, in a manic mode when you don't have the earnings to support it, <laughs> but it hasn't mattered. So yeah, totally. Yep. So then tell me if we don't have um, adults in the room looking at, <laughs> you know, these metrics that mattered, at least in the past, um, we just have, and we have obviously a macro backdrop that we have just talked about, you know, negative real rates or bullish Bitcoin and equities and all the rest. Um, we, we have the value rotation, I still think is alive and well, and we can see it in this kind of manic I call it short covering for lack of a better word. <laughs> but yeah, in the first, the, the first, the first comeback on this, like heavy comeback is going to get bought because I've, oh, I missed it. I got to get in. Um, like, so, yeah, it, so, so, it already did. So like this, yeah, is my that's, that's what I mean. this is the NYSC composite where, you know, back in January, 2018, it fell viciously. Um, same, you know, it keeps, excuse me, it keeps getting defended. Uh, that was, you know, 2019, the Christmas Eve low. Um, we had Fed intervention on March 23rd here. But what do you call this? Like, there's just nothing right now that would be um, anything short of bullish or manic. And then, of course, the risk of being uh, when it does turn. And I still don't see that. Right. This is MACD. And it has been, you know, pretty helpful in the past. When it turns, it'll be dramatic. But right now, it just keeps getting uh, supported. The five, the three to 500 names, single stock options for, from every day being traded at the volumes that they are, right, is, is something that is driven a lot of this piece plus the passive, when the passive not having an active participant to offset it, then as the names get bigger, it drags it up higher. It's literally Frankenstein, you know, that word's put out there, but it's not actually being driven by that, that, uh, that earnings chart that you showed a second ago, mm-hmm. like, and I, you can't, so what drives price? Well, price drives price and bid and ask, not necessarily a, 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 literally nothing else, right? At the end of the day, in the short term, 
in the long term, right? Value is the measure of, of, of all things, right? Because it's determined, you know, price, price varies over the course of history. It, it just totally does. So I, I genuinely don't see anything at the moment unless something breaks those, those, uh, that option cycle. What, what would actually turn this, what would actually turn it over in the short, like to begin to let those things meet up? Now, what, what, the, what the reaction to folks would be is like once those do meet up, see it met. It actually met where the earnings were. Well, it should have never really left where the earnings were. Some other dynamic started to come into the place of it. And how powerful is that dynamic cannot be underestimated, in my opinion, because, you know, it's just going to come back and meet that. Well, the, 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 the flip side of that to the bear side or the bull side of that is, well, maybe things just do improve and balance sheet can improve. Earnings can improve and everything begins to catch up to the other direction. Right. So we have the you know, price is right. The value of everything as measured by you know, earnings and so forth is actually wrong. Right. They're, 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 they're discounting it. And those guys are, are, are lying about what they're going to be able to do or mis, misinterpreting what they're going to be able to do. History would tell us that it's the other way. Right. That most of the time it's going to come back to to where the fair value of those. Always. Of those are. I mean, okay. what, what we were looking at GameStop going. All right. We understand what's happening, but we also are 100 percent sure this is going to be a parabola that that crashes. I mean, like it always crashes. We just have precedence on our hands. Let me give you let me give you this. Let me give you as in speaking with the exchanges in regards to crypto. Right. Exchanges. The the, the auction book creators. Mm -hmm. They. That's the reaction. Like, What, what do you mean? Roll their oh, eyes. Rolling like, their eyes. Okay. They're like, like oh. they're you know, and so and so the the exchanges that are actually like you know they they're everything flows through the exchanges. They can rolling see it their off. eyes, right? And so they're rolling their eyes, and and and, and so you got okay, we got these kind of we're down to just a couple dynamics of this thing, and now it's the full on mania. You only need a one or two dynamics to drive a mania. It can probably you know take out. Uh, take out all the active managers that are left to the short side. When there's no more shorts left, then it's just like it gets towards the the, the terminal end. But terminal to me could be, you know, 5,000, 4,000. No, look at these charts. Look at these charts, right? Um, these single totally. stock charts. Let me, let me, let me share. You, let me share you find this. Let me just make a comment um, out loud by Peter. He's Peter. Um, thank you for attending because I know this is uh, you, you, <laughs> he's he's watching this and comment comments have been spot on he says Sam Zell today said he thought the markets today remind him of 1999 when dot went to the moon and we're you know feeling a little bit similar sentiment there they die with no specific event turning buyers into sellers underlying the behavioral similarity from today and then the global balance sheet is night and day different there are trillions of debt added in the last year we, we know about the balance sheet. It, everyone keeps saying doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Um, but trillions of debt added in the last year to a bloated balance sheet and lots of support, right? 120 billion a month support in Fed buying. Uh, what would change the perception that the Fed has our backs always? Um, you can answer that, Peter. You already know if inflation really does start to, uh, you know, scream higher to the four or five percent, not just two percent. That's going to change perception. If yields start moving higher, if dollar starts moving higher. But right now, they still have that impression that they can control the short end. They can control this 
but you know, with yield curve, a higher dollar, if it did happen, would, would be de facto tightening. I think they still have, you know, the confidence, if you will, of the, the, the market. They, and that's what's allowing a lot of this risk-taking behavior. I can't even, all these, I, I, I know, go, 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 go. Yeah, look, I was going to say that, but it, it ends in the same way it's cooking, right? When the thing that's cooking the, the, the meal turns and eats the people instead of cooking. Like it's just options trading, outpacing the securities themselves and just dragging everything right up. And these single names are just the business. Like look at these, these, num these names, like it's just nonstop. There, there are zero pullbacks because every pullback is considered a purchase. All these apps that are sitting out there are echo chambers, right? Where the echo chamber is like, this one's hot right now. And, I, and so I think I go back to the Robinhood thing we talked about last week, that when you go into Robinhood and you go into these other apps that this is, I don't know if you guys have uh, done any research in regards to this. There's a Wealth Tech 1.0 and a Wealth Tech 2.0 as it relates to technology. Wealth Tech 1.0 was the introduction of the kind of gamified trading apps and free trade, right? So that was a transactional change only. WealthTech 2.0 is a, uh, so I would call it the explore, explorative, exploration, not the gamification, but the explorification of it, all right? And that's always the second iteration that happens in other spaces. I think that's a huge piece of this puzzle in the fact that these things are, the top 100 stocks at Robinhood are published every day. And they're published inside the app every day. And you can see what everybody else is trading. When you look at this set of Momo stocks. You the same and, with ARC. Yes, 100%. So like everybody's buying the same set of stocks. Yeah. And then at the same time, they're buying more options than that same set of stocks. And that's pulling that up. And then you've got the passive flows underneath that that are just going to work no matter what. And what changes that is when the options change and it flips and that just gets incinerated. But you can see that really since the summer, none of these things, and they're, they're all different. They're all different. They're all have the same setup. None of them move, right? Like uh, every single one of them is just following the same trend. Every time they get to a basic type of 50 day or even close to a 50 day, they get purchased. And it, the cycle, vicious cycle starts again. Flows are always on the positive side for this stuff most of the time. And it's the same set of names. And if you go look at the, so this market has boiled down to literally a kind of concentrated effort of a subset of names, which is very, why well, it feels like 1999 because it's a lot but of it's tech. But it's very tradable, Jonathan. I mean, this oh, is a amount yeah. of fun and ease. I mean, it's ridiculous. So one thing that I yeah, so I'm not saying anything bad. Like I, to me, like that's what you look at this, and then I say I don't even know is it is it the Fed at this point, or is the Fed started the fire that's turned into you know a full blown raging raging. Well, we're going to have a little right? test. I think it's going to be interesting. The uh, the Lunar New Year for China starts on the 12th, and there's been an enormous amount of liquidity that's come into China names. I mean, you can look at a, a chart of Baidu um, as your parabola. Um, and tons of the EV plays, right? Uh, not to mention MSTR, which the Bitcoin play, you know, on balance sheets that has just been um, hot fire flames as well because it's Bitcoin and this is replacing, uh, you know, I might even go into the bull bear case of Bitcoin because I think this is um, um, another speculative asset class and it became an asset class in 2020. Uh, and it's been a rotation trade, but I also 
can't help but wonder how liquidity will perform um, when China is 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 closed for a little bit next starting next week. I, I would say like uh, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to it's hard to say like um, uh, more data is being sold in China than in the United States by six six times. I was wow, told I didn't know that. I did not know that either. I was told that today. I ought to tell you a lot um, wow. of stuff that's going I mean, that is like, uh, and that's exchange that is consumptive at a six time rate um, in, in Asia pack right now, um, which means that, you know, they're, they're coming online and they're trading and the demand for us equities is very high. Yeah. Uh, so, so you can see kind of a world coming online, trading the same set of stocks um, and it's running hot fair value on all this stuff is just significantly lower. Right. Because it's not we're not hunting value right now. We're just hunting these these price um, price structures effectively. Right. So, you know, just I think really the, the bullish case to me defined is unless something changes in the options market as it relates to these things, then this can continue on. Right. And once something changed, the bear side is just right on the other razor's edge of that. Once something changes in the market of the options trading then it becomes just an incinerator machine. And all these things have no, no auction. These are auctionless situations. The China ones are full of them. But like, if you, if you look at this, like they, they all, everything looks effectively the same. And I'm starting to see just anecdotally mm-hmm. prices in real estate become insane, I like absurd. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, like there's, there like five, five, uh, like five bids on a house, right? And if then somebody's paying a hundred thousand dollars more, ten percent on a million dollar house, what was a six hundred thousand dollar house is now one point two. Like it is, it is the it, mania has been created. It's across asset classes, and um, Jim Rogers has the best take on mania. It's like they just body bag out everybody that gets short too early as active managers and then they body bag out everybody that thought they were actually doing really good stuff with trading. Are you saying a sold to you over. market? <laughs> uh, I think, I think it's uh, if you realize the game right here, right? Like um, if you go back and look at these, like a really straightforward way to kind of gauge in my opinion, just looking at across the board, because all these are really similar is if stuff just gets, if you see stuff begin to test 50 day, um, on any of this stuff, you might be like, oh, okay, there might be something here. We haven't looked at 50 days on a lot of these charts and like either between three months or six months, right? And that, that's, the, that's the hallmark stuff of a mania, but you always have a terminal phase at the end of a mania. And I know Jared said he liquidated his, his bond portfolio. You're talking to him on Thursday and stuff like his IRAs, like going to cash. Yeah. This is a mania, right? So like, you know, I understand the game that you're playing at this point and, um, you know, begin to think about because all things will revert to some sort of fair value. But this is a dangerous side. The bear side of me, the flip side of me is this is now a dangerous situation in the sense that, you know, you you got stuff like this that went from, you know, November, it's twenty eight dollars, it's one hundred and sixty dollars. And this thing is just like, you know, trading off the charts every day and the options as well. And, and I'm just sitting there and, you know, what is fair value of this? Is this an investment or is this a price hunting, right? Where the next price produces the next price up. And so, you know, markets over the long term will always, uh, in the short run, they're a, they're a voting machine. In the long run, they're a weighing machine, right? And so 
I think that the bigger trends that we're seeing are, and can I fully identify that will outlast all this, is similar to the one that uh, we were talking about the other day as to the new uh, markets uh, being available via liquidity, via technology. So, you know, um, like my example of this was uh, we talked to somebody about fixed income mm-hmm. um, markets some maybe a year ago and getting data to create a search functionality for bonds and to rate like, you know, score bonds the way we score everything else. And they actually didn't have even enough bid uh, ask spread information in order for that to, to take place for us to, to quantitatively create that infrastructure to score it, but they were like working on it. Right. And so how obscure is that marketplace right now? As that becomes more electronic, you'll see more people be able to trade those things in a much more kind of like uh, auction environment where, you know, it's something that I may want to be into a turnpike that pays 7%. Right. And it's a guaranteed thing by the state or so forth. Those long-term trends of technology that are, somewhat driving some of this mania, I think kind of leak into other stuff and they do really well in the long term. This stuff right here is total like uh, kind of a product of its own system or a product of the current system we have in place at the moment, which will also be the same reason that it it generates itself at some point. And, you know, the long term trends will come back into play. And there we go again. So I don't think this is a sustainable situation in the long term, what's long term? I don't know, three months, six months, but it is definitely going to eat itself soon enough. These are now getting parabolic. Um, when you saw like, uh, you know, the, at some point you got to ask yourself with regulators or stuff step in on this Bitcoin thing. When, when Musk is literally saying, you know, I'm put it on my balance sheet and it drives it up 20% in a day. And he's laughing about it, doing the dog thing on his thing. Like it's become somewhat of a, of a joke. And it, 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 there's a place there, a point of inflection where it becomes systemically uh, a problem for not the SEC, right? For someone else, right? And in, in the infrastructure. So we're probably approaching some of that stuff here, you know, uh, and, and across the board. But this stuff is every chart I could show you all these different charts, oh, yeah. we could just, we could go through them all. Um, but like, you know, Tilray, like the, these are, these are, these are a product of a little, I think a big piece of this is the technology piece where you've got, you know, a ton of new participation and it's not just Robinhood app. It's Webull, it's Doe, it's all the different ones that are, you know, the free trading apps. The only technology that they built into those apps was see what others are trading. Right. And everybody sees that everybody's trading these things. And it's like an an echo chamber that perpetuates price action. You throw in the options on that and now you just get the thing that's eating itself and that hysteresis pulls it right up. So I I don't I think it's the same thing. Dragging it up is the same thing that kills it. I think the Fed is totally at this point kind of like this. Um, And they, they always say it's easier. And this is quoted by them. It's easier to fix a bubble after it pops. Right. That's their perception. Let's just let it run its course. They know that they've they've fueled this kind of stuff, this action. But we'll see. You know, and I think the Biden thing today, talking about seventy five thousand being the cutoff for the the, the top end. If you're under seventy five thousand, you'll get a check. If you're above seventy five thousand, maybe you get something different or something like that. If that comes in again, you're talking about a whole nother slug of of, of uh, fun, fun coupons, right. For, for the, for the market. So, you know, we'll see. I don't, that's my bull case is actually the opposite side of my bear case. That's what I brought to the table. Okay. 
a few other charts I want to show. Let me just uh, share. Yep, go mine. for it. All right. So we've talked about this before also as, and Craig also, let me just, he, he just made a comment. So I want to respond to that. Okay. Uh, Craig says, it seems to me what is needed to prick the bubble would be a strong breakout higher in yields, bonds lower, which we have been talking about in for weeks now, as far as bonds just not getting a bid, there just is no rotation. They keep fading and in fact falling. And he says, anyway, and in order to get that, we need, um, and in order to get that, we need uh, the narrative on inflation to begin to accelerate higher. So tomorrow- yeah, It is, it is 100%. Yeah. It's tomorrow accelerating. Tomorrow CPI print and Powell also speaks if we got a hot print and Powell doesn't care, we could get a move higher in yields. That ultimately is something people start to worry about. So, um, yes. So we've definitely, th this whole push, which the Fed seems to want to allow right now, to allow the inflation expectations and inflation to run hot, at what point does it, be, does it backfire and obviously cause yields to now put pressure on the lovely, you know, tech plays? And I- I think I have this shared, new share. No, I don't. Okay. Um, I grabbed this because it's, you know, was beloved before we had this rotation into the hot momentum and the hot value plays and the hot short covering plays. But for the most part, since this big move, you know, higher, you can kind of see pretty clearly that the Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, Microsoft relative performance to S&P has basically been is responsible for it. Like there's no question that over the last decade, um, the entire S&P outperformance has come from these technology plays. <laughs> like that's it. Ultra low rate, um, rate environment, accelerated, you know, relative safety of growth to value plays, especially as the Trump, uh, you know, trade war took off here, right? Then you can even look at it in a chart of US steel. But in short, those plays that are inflationary, the real inflationary plays are still laggards. So that's one thing. Two, this has been in distribution mode for the most part um, for the past few months. It has still been a bond proxy of safety. So the, the TLT is fading. The big tech is still being supported, but it's not taking off. It already took off. It has already, mm. it has mm. already claimed the, the, the throne, if you will, of being the, um, the accelerant to all of this, you know, COVID lockdowns and e-commerce, um, you know, brought it forward many, many years. <laughs> no well, question. you know, it's interesting. Yeah, totally. You're right. You know, it's interesting too. You, you said two, two things that I would bring up that we've talked about prior um, and you can revisit uh, exacts on that, but Tesla's options Yep. That you and um, Spot Gamma were talking about, I believe, mm -hmm. the, the, that particular date in March. Yes. It's related to a big kind of payout for Elon or something to that effect. That, that's sure yep. the whole, whole thing. I think, uh, like, revisit that here in a second. And then think about this. Like, you've seen kind of big tech freeze, m the mining sector, right? So gold, silver, that whole sector is just in this static kind of mushy kind of sideways downtrend. Not not a not a collapse, but just like you know floating by. Then you've got the the TLT uh, whole whole the bond space in in kind of the same type of downing, but not not going away. And then you've got all of this kind of uh, short vol stuff 
that's sitting there and when there's no the, like gold is a volatility trade to an extent right gold mm-hmm. typically is pretty volatile trade you know sh- vo- you know all the vol space obviously that's that's a dumb statement it's a volatile trade but like you 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 when you don't have any volatility and it's suppressed at the moment which is then targeted then you've got the momo plays which are being just bid to the sky and then you have this stuff not going anywhere though it's not like collapsing falling apart you know, then you look at like maybe the best interest of some of these people wagging the dog to an extent, right? That that kind of stuff all ties together from a time frame perspective. Ends of the spring, that there is definitely kind of uh, if inflation picks up significantly, you've got this. Like, why don't you tell about the Tesla thing that you caught, right? Like that you were looking at, because I think that's definitely worth revisiting here. Yeah, let, let me. That, pull that that there's part. a huge payout for them. For it's, him yeah, and specifically. they have to wait and it has to levitate, you know, between February and March before that um, comes to fruition. So it is a motivation. But also just back to the kind of the rate, the six month average of the 10 year inflation break even before COVID, after COVID, and it's tracking obviously with all the fiscal stimulus too. So this getting, I mean, this is a gorgeous, if you will, bullish pattern for continuation higher. You can kind of see inverse if you have kind of put this on its head, it is tracking the S&P as a, as a fractal very, very well. So I still think this is um, at risk of, at least for the 30-year, getting above uh, 2.3 is where it's going to start to get a little messy. And I'm trying to think, where did I grab that? Um, we're not even there. We're not even close to that yet. So this can still continue to churn higher. I still think three that the 30 year can continue to move higher. But let me let me see if I can find that um, chart on Tesla because I did post that before. Let me just find it. That was for Spot Gamma as well. I might not be able to find it right now. Yeah, so so we pull it up, pull it up because the thing is really pertinent, it. right? In, in the time frame of this, if we're as hot, running as hot as we're running right now, like we're running at a fever, fever mania pit, like clip, right? Like if we if we did this for, you know, three or four more weeks, you, you're, I was looking at like twenty five hundred Russell this morning, like the the, the upside target just on just natural extensions. Like you're gonna be into those these things pretty quickly. Like you know, even any kind of sideways action without any type of volatility is gonna be bought because of the passive flow. So you know you're naturally higher just by default here of all the different you know like inputs that I've mentioned, yep. and, and that jives happen. out with this time frame yep. of the you know. And I I I think like uh like uh I I don't want to get into the Bitcoin and Tether thing or whatever, but like at, at every inflection point that's necessary to push. Tesla and then to push, you know, Bitcoin, where Bitcoin is in a, in a, in a, in a quandary, you get this huge tether print. And I know there's a bunch of research and all that out there for this. So I'm not going to belabor it, but you know, it's, I, I look back, I think we'll look back at some of these things and go, man, some of these things tie together um, because of the way that they overlay. And this, I thought about this yesterday, actually, it's just something else I looked at and I was like, the, you know, and, and I, I remember exactly what it was when I woke up and I looked down and the Bitcoin was up like 15 percent. I was like, OK. And then I look and see that he said he was, you know, had put it on the balance sheet and they disclosed it. Right. And it took off. And I was like, 
then you look at this time frame and it's like, oh, wow, like, isn't this convenient? And then you had a huge tether print. And then there's some conversation between MSTR and him back in December about how to acquire a massive amount of Bitcoin. And then you look at the conversations about Dogecoin and you look at this meme stock mania and all this kind of stuff. And then I'd be very curious to see how this how this shakes out looking at this chart with all of that conversation as it relates to the price of both of those vehicles. And I know a bunch of people were commenting about, um, you know, uh, Bitcoin in the last two days. So I'm not going to like dig into it more than this, but I would like to track this kind of like once a month for us to see how this shakes out as it relates directly correlative to his payout, right? And then this whole Bitcoin conversation towards the end of this payout. But I think it's, I, I think it's beyond fascinating that they overlay almost point blank. And, Interesting. You know, yeah, I hadn't I hadn't thought about that. Um, except I I tweet I put in chat um, a thread that was um, highlighted in uh, Grant's pub uh, in regards to that tether and Bitcoin connection, and in particular, the last time that China bought thought Bitcoin was being used to evade capital controls, the party squashed global Bitcoin volumes. So that's the risk, but it hasn't happened yet. I'm just wondering what will happen when the Chinese New Year kicks off on the 12th. Yeah, the tether prints are just so close to these Bitcoin surges. They're like, and, you know, you know what's interesting? I think, is it was it back um, along this time when uh, Jared um, came out and said, "I'm I'm out of Bitcoin or I'm I'm shorting Bitcoin," and we actually rolled over. So he mm-hmm. he had a, he had a good he had a good timing for that as well. Yeah, well, I mean, we're we're at mania levels right here so i'm not like calling like oh there's a top or anything like that i don't want anybody to think that i'm saying anything like that like as it relates to it what i'm saying is that you know that when you're talking up something like point blank when i know i have this influence to move stuff and i move it and i move it in my favor at a massive clip that directly correlates to a time frame that gives me not a not a paper right? Or a corporate return, but that's a personal payout from us, right? That's what we're referring to on that. Like that's not a corporate return. That is a, and the money for those in the know. So I, I'm just very curious to see how that transaction um, shakes out because also Morgan Stanley has a significant um, stakehold in uh, MSTR and uh, a few oh, things. So over with National yeah. Bank. Yeah. So like on their uh, balance sheet. Yeah, so let's 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 see how this let's see how this shakes the tree with as it relates to Musk in March because I you know there's like probably three gambits four gambits shaking right now with options being one you got the passive being another short ball being another and now we've got the I would say the Bitcoin train is actually kind of permeated into other stuff and kind of uh, um, uh, I think IWM and Adam told me IWM has the most exposure to Bitcoin from a corporation perspective. So we actually looked at that the other day. So small caps, isn't that interesting? Have the highest correlation to BTC. Yeah, GBTC, uh, and they just bought a lot more, like 1.5 billion. Um, MSTR, I don't know if MSTR is on IWM. I haven't looked, but Mara and Riot, Mm -hmm. they have exposure, but it's Mm -hmm. much less than the- Yeah, yeah. So so the companies like associated with that now Tesla, obviously, right, but IWM has the most companies with their exposure in some form or fashion to it. And, uh, you know, they're that's the auctionless market at the moment. 
So I, I think it's a, it's it's definitely down to a few narratives and slash math complexes that are driving pretty much the the mania. I don't know what inning that we're per se in, maybe eight or nine, um, you know, at this point. And the inflation expectations are the highest thing. That it's not expectations. I think if you're not looking around, if you don't have inflation in your environment, then maybe you're in a different environment. We're seeing just kind of like eye-watering inflation in the last two weeks that we've seen pop up from, it seems almost like from nowhere, like anecdotally outside of just markets. So it seems to be spilling. I know that like lumber, I talked to. Um, well, I don't think oh, it's anecdotal. I, I think shipping yeah. costs are higher. Lumber, oh, raw material yeah. costs, commodities are. are construction projects good. massively delayed. I think you, yeah, you and I were talking about construction the other night, but like even, I talked to one of my uh, buddies does all the, he, he, they're, they're one of the largest lumber providers in the Southeast United States out of uh, Valdosta, Georgia, and in the, through the roof, right? Project, massive project delays uh, for anything associated with that. So I, hey, it's here. Too. I mean, we, right. we keep hearing that the semiconductor um, space uh, and those tied to it, uh, GM has plant closures due to chip delays. Um, China is buying up not just chip, but also chip, ma- chip making machines and chip making companies. So mm-hmm. what's happening in this supply disruption has not fed through, I think, in this regard, as far as. <laughs> oh, man, you, I, I kind of float a question as a business person right out to everybody. Like, you know, so it's great to have things bid up um, when you're on the when, when you're on the exit side. It's pretty tough to have them bid up when you're on the investment side. And so, like, let's say a lot of this stuff is actually good stuff and it's got a long term kind of a really long-term approach you might be buying it at what it would be at 10 years from now right because of this kind of inflationary impacts not just the inflation expectations bid but the kind of dynamics of this option market that have yet to been corralled by a natural order of the market making uh exchange structure where they're like okay this got a little out of hand let's restructure this so it's not going to get as out of hand because it can't just get out of hand into perpetuity so once it's restructured then the prices all you know aren't as impacted by this on a go forward basis. Then they're just back to vehicles that they were before. And then everything has some sort of bear value kind of metric. If you're buying stuff that you want to buy it at a level that you paid four times what it's going to be at two years from now, then you're holding it and kind of you 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 purchased it at a higher rate than you're going to want to hold it, even though it's a great investment. So it's now turning into solely a tradable environment only. Like you're not even going to be able to hold these things for a longer period of time in the short run, right? You're, the buying and holding at these prices is just going to be hard to substantiate in the long term with the with everything around us. And let you know, unless we're simply dealing and we're and we're totally Zimbabwe and we got trillion dollar bills. So like I I think that's my business question to the whole thing. It's like it depends on how you're trying to attack the the final stages of throws of this this mania that's in, in motion is it is am i getting the well, long-term businesses at a price that makes sense and people will say the flip side of that is well interest rates are so low these prices are fair fair value and i just would say i don't you know based on the market structure it doesn't appear that they're fair value because most of the bid on all this stuff from institutional side is significantly lower on everything that you want to be holding on to in the long term like even spy for example the bulk of the bid runs between 2,000 and 3,000, right? And you're going to be trading upwards of 4,000 
here shortly in ES and 400 and 450 on thin volume. It just is like one of those things that I, I just, I don't see, I get, I get some of the arguments of it, but from a business person's perspective, when stuff gets bid too far, too fast, especially really fast towards the tail end, it's, it's like, uh, this is totally only a tradable environment. I guess that's the point I would say. It's like tough to say that you would be able to hold these things in a long-term kind of, um, you know, young, especially younger folks. I, I, I just don't want to see folks in their twenties get, you know, building portfolios around prices that could potentially be, you know, 70% and, you know, to the downside and then eventually come back in the long term. But what if, you know, because we're, we're, we're messing with some really, really crazy mathematical infrastructure here on these, these theorems that, that the option market is creating. Like it's really, really chaos. Right. Well, this is to be determined on the commodity space, though, I have a very bullish thesis. They are at multi-decade lows. So yeah, this, totally. is re- this is a reversion to the mean trade. As far as I'm concerned, it's not just, you know, the dollar is soft and, you know, yields are rising and that pulls commodities higher. No, I think there is an actual, you know, uh, rush to get into some of these uh, value and cyclical trades because they are at multi-decade lows and short. Totally agree with that. Yeah, has, totally has, agree with that. Lift the switch, right? But as it relates to a lot of the other things that we're seeing in some of these, you know, low-priced penny stocks and um, you know, sector rotation, Nirvana melt up. That's a little bit different. I think that's the, the Reddit signal turned short covering signal turned. You know, that all the signals, if you will, like you just said, the market makers, they can see the, the, where the calls are being bought. And guess what? So can we. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's like, oh, my God, easy. It's such the pot stocks, the, the spats. I don't care what it is. It's just so easy to see where the money is flowing right now because they're all glomming on to the same um, gorky action. It just goes yep. higher and higher. And it's, be careful. But at the same time, when they just keep working it's, you know, it, I, I don't know, for lack of a better word, it is mania, but it's not the same thing as the real inflation plays that are still laggards. There's still opportunity in commodities. And oh, in, totally agree. So I, I don't want to, I don't, I want to like separate the bull <laughs> case of what hasn't yet. Um, yeah, risen yeah. From the stuff it that's makes already total sense. Stupid high. Um, and it's very, it has an aura of volatility, like in the biotech sector right now, where I think there are still a ton of opportunities. But and that's a larger sector than most realize. It's one of oh the my. largest sectors and in, it the, has in been the market. Dormant. I mean, 2013, it took off and it was extremely strong. And then last year, it started coming up again. And now they are popping up like daisies. And every day, there is a new play. And it's up 20, 30%. And the next day, it's up another 16, 20%. And the next, and after three days, it's up 85%. And these are real companies that are just coming in as, you know, being acquired by some hot, you know, hot hedge fund, biotech hedge fund, and they're positioning for that, that move in biotech. It's a fabulous sector to play in right now. Um, But anyway, I'm getting, you know, away from that is a rotation theme, just like the EV space was just like the SPAC space was last year, just like the, you know, the pot, the cannabis, you know, prohibitions over space was totally different from the market structure that you and I are talking about with SML and IWM with huge gaps below that need to get filled at some point. (laughs) 
So yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. There's just a lot of different market dynamics playing out right now, right? And and, and, and Sal just said that the VIX, uh, the 50 cent VIX guy came back in. I didn't see that action this afternoon, oh. so I'll be curious to see where um, some volatility got purchased because I honestly did not see that. Um, so Sal, if you know what strike that was, let me know because I'm well. I'm on what it. what I would say is that knowing the way that the options are mathematically structured right now as an impact to what we're seeing, it will take very little to burn those things to the ground. But I don't mean that, like, I don't say that lightly. They can keep going if you have no volatility or, you know, muted volatility, these gambits continue to play. But, you know, it, it, there's no, really way to to throw a nail on what is that could trigger something like that but as the options take it up the options can just eat it on the other other end and it's i i'm not surprised to see that bid i'm not surprised at all like i it, it's and as long as as vix doesn't collapse here that bid gets better and better play because the longer this goes heads toward march i'd be curious to see those dates on that like you said, I'm very curious to see those dates. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm very curious to hear um, what um, Jared will say in regards to Thursday. I want to definitely welcome you to come back because we're going to have um, someone who's been a, a good gut trader, but macro insightful, come back and, and explain why the volatility trade he sees coming in has, has basically compelled him to go to cash in his IRA. So obviously there's still a trading environment we can play that's bullish. Um, and I'm assuming this is going to be later in the summer. Um, I don't think it's, I don't know if it's something that he just, ha he smells or he's got some really good um, convincing charts or uh, narrative, but I am looking forward to finding out on Thursday. Um, and let me just grab that real quick for the going to cash. All right, so I think we're going to end there because we're 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 still doing the the bull bear dance, and right now bulls are winning in certain sectors, um, but volatility is still staying bid. Let's see what happens. And his uh, argument for going to cash. Do you have any final thoughts or um, parting shots? Parting <laughs> shots. I I I really uh, I really don't. I I think that my thoughts are pretty summated in the you know, what takes this up at the moment, because there's not much left at play, are passive, are options, and the concentration of the volatility action of actually the, 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 the function of trading mm -hmm. being solely in a subset of names, which leaves you with a lot of still left behinds, as to yep. your point. And, you know, the stuff that's usually got volatility isn't really going away. It's just kind of sitting to the side, which is so interesting that you're not seeing collapse in, in, in the metals complex. You're not seeing a total collapse in the bonds complex. You're not seeing a collapse in the dollar complex. We saw that. Like it's, it's stalled out, but it's not like, you know, collapsing, right? Like it's, it's simply basing further. Um, you know, I, I, I'm curious that, that, you know, we've had some sidebar conversations like uh, uh, just internally with this whole Bitcoin thing. It's getting to be very interesting um, as it relates to Musk, as it relates to MSTR, as it relates to Morgan Stanley, as it relates to Tesla and that time frame. 
And I'm so I'd like to kind of revisit that maybe a month from now. We put a flag on it to come back and revisit that about that time that all that expires. And where are we then? Um, because we may and look back on all this. China may be tightening up the grip on on capital controls because that's absolutely what triggered it last time. I mean, yeah, so uh, yeah, a hundred percent. So that that's what I would say. Like these these uh, you know that the, these are some interesting interesting, interesting trading time. is a mania, right? It's a mania <laughs> trading. And last but not least, I want to just um, suggest anyone who's interested in seeing my risk indicators that come out on uh, February 14th, they will be on the VigTech platform. Sign up with your email. You'll get alerted. We'll get a month of uh, free use, and they are 30-minute time frame for chasers, as well as uh, swing trading across the indices and ETFs. So it's basically right now bullish. Some are neutral. But very few have, have uh, triggered bearish with obvious, you know, you can look at price action and you can see, obviously, that nothing has triggered. But when it does, we want to see it, right? We want to be alerted. Yep. And these are yep. fabulous tools. And I, I'm just excited to be able to release them. And they will be out in less than a week on the 14th. So sign yeah. up for that. Yeah. And how this is going to work for you guys, so you know, is like... Uh, you know, these indicators are, you know, web-based for the, for the beta trial, and then they'll be on the mobile app as well on the, on the broad release. And you'll be able to set them individually for alerts on these changes that, that she's referring to. So you'll be able to be triggered on if you're chasing, right? Or if you're looking for more of a broad-based portfolio, hey, when do you think that this might change? You'll be able to get that, you know, kind of buzz straight to your watch or your phone, Right at any given time, or your web, you shoot you an email. So this is all really cool stuff. So we're uh, uh, hurried to see that uh, this gets launched here at the end of the week for the trial, beta trial, and you guys give us some feedback, and then we'll tweak it all out with Samantha, and then um, be all set for you guys to use fully, uh, you know, ongoing. Especially as we get in towards the where does this all head? It's gonna be really important to have this stuff <laughs> at hand. Yeah. So this is. Um... I don't even know how we closed today. In fact, I didn't even look. Let me just look real quick. Okay, so honestly, we're still at that 39.20. Yeah, we did we tag it because that was almost 39.20. Okay, will be interesting tomorrow in short. I'm just looking at the, the market. Yeah, we'll, we'll show those. Those are going to be on um, Big Tech platform, and basically we'll have to uh, do a little primer, I think, on the weekend and, and do some video and show what they look like yep. and how to use them. But yeah, they yep. are. I'm excited to release and uh, get some feedback. So that's it. I think we're done. It's after five. I wish everyone a fabulous evening and come back Thursday for Jared. And we'll uh, get his take on why he's gone to cash. Thank you, Jonathan, again. Appreciate it. Thanks, Samantha. Thanks, everybody. Have a Bye. great day.